0: Good morning everybody. Man, it seems like there's a lot of life going on today. I'm seeing a lot of people connecting and it's been it's been great. Uh every opportunity that you've been given to to greet people, you've been doing it and you've been lingering there and I love it. I think it's amazing. I love seeing people get connected. Um we are well, for those of you who don't know me, maybe you most of you do, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nathan Harris. I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. I'm so glad that you've made Sunday morning, this Sunday morning, uh, time to be with us because I think God has some things that he wants to say to us. I think he wants to lead us in some ways, and I think he wants to invite us into a particular kind of life that... Um, whether you are just investigating what it means to be a Christ follower or you've been following Jesus for 80 plus years, there's always room to grow. There's always something more to experience. There's always, uh, God wants to do more in us, okay? It's not always that he he, he wants to to you know, make us little tools and, you know, all of that so that we just are doing, 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 doing. He He wants to do things in us because he loves us. We sang about that this morning. He's a good, good father, right? He's a good, good father. And because he's a good, good father, he wants to work in us. Uh, part of his working in us, I believe, is uh, we are actually in this message series, Other, right now. Uh, this is the second week of this message series. And... and here, here's the big idea for it. To be a Christ follower means that we live other. <laughs> Think, oh, that's original. Um, to be a Christ follower, if, you're, if, if you are following Jesus right now or you are investigating what it means to follow Jesus, you need to understand at its core, it means to be other. It means to be different, it needs to be something other than what we see in the world around us, in what is exuded in the world around us. It's all about living a life of love directed toward God and toward others. Okay? So that's what we're talking about in this series, being other, being who God has made us to be. And let's face it, our world needs this right now. It needs this, the world, whether it recognizes it or not, whether it appreciates it or not. Kind of like every time I make my kids eat vegetables. Well, no, actually my kids love vegetables. Every time my wife makes me eat vegetables. Okay. I, there are some vegetables I like. But but whether I appreciate them or not, I need them. My body needs them. My body needs that nutrients. Whether the world around us appreciates it or not, it needs us to be other. Our world, the world, the global world is in desperate need of this other. We see it on the nightly news. Our nation is in desperate need of this other. Think about all of the political and ideological wars that are going on. How in, in, within our country, we, we are confronted every single day with this thought that if you are not for me, you are against me. If you do not agree with me 100%, then you are 100% my enemy. And I will stop at nothing to make sure you understand that. And words get thrown and other things get thrown. Just this past week, we had two or three shootings in the Seattle area. You guys, our very community needs other right now. It needs other. So we are in this series and we're looking at this through the lens of first Peter. First Peter was actually addressing a whole bunch or Peter in this letter was addressing a whole bunch of people who were experiencing life lived out as other and they were receiving their uh, persecution because of it their surrounding communities didn't appreciate this otherness. They thought you guys are weird. You guys are different. You guys don't make any sense and because of all of your not sen- nonsensical stuff, we're going to end up suffering for it. Okay? And, and so they rejected the, the Christians and the Christ followers. They, they harassed them. Sometimes people wouldn't be able to buy and sell. They wouldn't be able to uh, have their livelihood. Sometimes they had things confiscated. All right. And it's to this situation that Peter writes this letter of 1 Peter. He addresses these people who have been rejected in society. And he says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, but you are a, cho- are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter says, I know that you guys are feeling rejected. I know that you guys are weary. I know that you guys feel on your own, but you are the chosen. You are the God with you people. You are God's people. So that's how we wrapped up last week. That was the main thing that we looked at last week. This week, I want us to move from there to some specifics about how to live other within the society we find ourselves in. How do we do that? If if this is something that's so good for the world around us, whether we're talking about our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, the county we're in, our nation, or whatever, however far you want to think about this, if it is so good, how do we actually accomplish this? How do we live this out? Here's our main thing this morning. To live other in society is to live aligned with the gospel to live other in society by society that is our culture that is that is the way that that the people around us think it is it is the situation we find ourselves in it could be a smaller community it could be our home it could be our church family it could be the the county it could be whatever you think of it it's 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 the group of people it is it is the surrounding culture that we live in to live other in society means that we have to live in line with the gospel. That's the only way to do this. Now when, I'm, when I say we need to live aligned with the gospel, I'm, I'm talking about way more than the idea of just biding our time until Jesus comes and takes us back to heaven, right? Now I'm not saying that I'm not looking forward to a reward or I'm not looking forward to being with Jesus forever because I am. I am. I absolutely am. I think that's a very good thing to look forward to. We're, we're told to look forward to that in, in scripture and in, in, in the Bible all of the time. But that's not all there is to the gospel. Last week, if you if you didn't hear the message, go back to ccpuolup.com. You can click on the sermon podcast link and you can listen to that. But last week we talked about how Christ followers are God's chosen. People chosen by him through the work of the Spirit so that they can we can live obedient to Christ. And because of all of that, we are God's on-mission people. We're God's on-mission people. We've got something to do in the world to make him known, to make God known in the world. You see, the gospel is all about God ruling All of the world, every sphere, every aspect, every nook and cranny, nothing is left out. And the gospel is the good news that God is making all things right, that he is establishing his kingdom on earth as in heaven. He's making all things right. That's what we're supposed to align our lives with. My son, Caleb, is all about Star Wars right now. Any other Star Wars fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda forever. Um, yep, nerd, that's right. No, my my son, Caleb, is all about Star Wars right now. He loves the movies, uh, absolutely loves to watch them. We actually have to limit how much he watches them because <clears throat> let's just say Star Wars starts happening all around us, Okay. Um, He loves building the Legos, but like I said, he he loves to play act, okay? So he's got this, you know those uh, extendable lightsabers? You can get them at Walmart or whatever. You kind of do this, and they fly out. He's got a yellow one. His favorite color is yellow. He's got a yellow one, and he loves to play Jedi, but he can't just have the lightsaber. He's got to dress up. (laughs) He's got to look the part he's got to look like a Jedi. I want you to turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. We're gonna, I'm gonna read verses 11 and 12 this morning. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there. First Peter 2 11 and 12. I'm reading out of the NIV. He's, here's what Paul said, or excuse me, Peter, dear friends. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Here's the thing Peter says. Look, like God's people, wherever you are. Look like God's people. Just like my son likes to dress up and, and play the part of the Jedi, we, we, we are to look like God's people. Not in terms of play, but in our lives, in the way we live. The language Peter used of, uh, he uses the words foreigners and exiles. It's the same language applied to Abraham in his wanderings through the land of Canaan. In Genesis, we're told that that he was a wanderer, that that he was a foreigner in exile Which means that our allegiance is to God, not to the prevailing culture around us. Because Abraham's life is a pattern for ours in this sense. Abraham lived in the middle of the Canaanites. He lived going from place to place, experiencing what life was like in their midst, but he was not part of them. He was not a Canaanite. He did not become a Canaanite. He remained faithful to God. He believed God. He followed God. He was obedient to God. That is what this means, that we are foreigners and exiles. Okay? It's it's not that we don't engage the culture around us, because we do. We don't remove ourselves from it. Jesus... Affirmed this in John eighteen thirty six. He was before Pilate. This is his uh, uh, trial before Pilate, and and Pontius Pilate asks him, are, "Are you really a king?" And Jesus says, "Yep." But my kingdom is not from this world. It's other, it's different. If my kingdom was from this world, then my followers would rise up. They would revolt and they would attack you. (laughs) That's what he says. But he says, my kingdom is not from this world. But you know what? Jesus' kingdom is very much for this world. It doesn't have its source in this world, but it is for this world. And Because his kingdom is for this world, then we are to engage this world with his kingdom. As part of God's people in Jesus, Christ followers are called to live in and engage the world around us. But how do we do that and maintain our otherness? I was just talking to somebody earlier. We were we were talking about how sometimes you can, you know, when when you're sing when you're hearing one particular band Listening to one particular song, you're hearing this, this the way that this band sings this song. You, you can, If you're in your car singing it, you're gonna start singing it like them, right? The more you, you and this is true also of the people we hang around. You, you hang around a certain group of people, you start becoming like this group of people, okay? That happens, it happens to kids, it happens to adults. It's not shameful, it's just something we need to be aware of. Engaging the culture is not about becoming like the culture. Engaging the culture means that we we are living our otherness in the middle of it. Bringing the good news of Jesus to the world around us. So how do we maintain a life different, a life other than the prevailing culture while engaging it? This is an important question. We need to live in a way that is aligned with the gospel. In 2013, or excuse me, 2003, I bought my one and only brand new car. Toyota Corolla, bottom of the line, didn't have any of the bells and whistles. Uh, it was a manual transmission, um, no no power uh, windows, no no cruise control, Um I got pretty good at maintaining speed <laughs> with, with my foot, uh, I, and I loved that car. I loved it. I think it only had about 100 miles on it when I bought the thing, j- just from being shuttled from one lot to another, test drives, that kind of a thing. So it was, it was. It, this was in really good condition when I got it. I was really excited about it. Loved this car. This car came with a brand new set of 40,000 mile tires. Okay. About 20,000 miles into having this vehicle, I had to replace the tires. You know why? I didn't know this at the time. It was not in alignment. When I bought the car, I, I didn't know this. Somebody told me later that most vehicles off the lot don't come automatically in alignment. I didn't know that. So what should have lasted a lot longer didn't last nearly as long as it should have. Listen, when we try to live our lives without being aligned to the gospel, we wear out. We wear out. We lose our tread, so to speak. Things have to be replaced. Things have to be repaired. So just like our our vehicles need to be checked out and, and brought into alignment so our hearts need to be checked out and brought into alignment regularly, constantly. We need to tune up so that we can maintain alignment with God and His gospel. So how do we do this? I think there's a couple of things in the passage we're looking at. And the overall passage we're looking at is uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 1 Peter 3, verse 12. We're not going to read this whole section, Okay. Uh, like I said last week, I, 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 there's some resources that you can, I've suggested a book even uh, on Facebook, I, I posted a, a little video on First Peter, you can watch that, get that book that I talked about, um, and do your devotions that are on the back of your sermon notes, but I'm, I'm only going to read a few of these verses today, but this overall section gives us some really good ways to focus on being aligned with the gospel. Here's number one on your outline. If you're taking notes, number one: to live aligned with the gospel means we live for God. We live for God. Again, you might be thinking that's that doesn't need to really be said, right? I mean, you're saying you're a Christian, so of course you got to live for God. But how often do our ideals not line up? With our actions. How often do we say something that we value something? If, for instance, I say I want to learn, I want to grow, I want, so I'm going to read, okay, but I spend all of my time watching television, am I really chasing after that, that growth that I say that I value? No. So just like that, we, we need to live, we need to choose to live for God. We need to invest in the things that God wants us to invest in. So what's the trajectory of your life like? Does it honor God and put him on display in a good way? Or do you live for your own motives and purposes? I, I have to ask myself these questions all the time. Here's 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 again. I wanna, I wanna explain some of this as we go through it this morning. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, again, those who belong to God, but not to the world, all right? To abstain. What does abstain mean? Stay away from. Don't do it. Don't go near. It. Don't touch it. Don't be around it. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Peter says here, stay away from these things that are designed, they are made, they are intended to derail you. To keep you from God, to put that wall up between you and and God so that you're not living your life for him, it reminds me a little bit uh, a long time ago, I was trying to lose a, a bunch of weight, and I, one of the things that I did was I, I just totally got away from sweets. No desserts, no anything, wouldn't have any M&Ms. That was a sacrifice, let me tell you. <laughs> and I got made fun of. Well, not really made fun of, but I, I, somebody asked me the question, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just, what's wrong with occasionally having this? And You know what my answer was? Because if I start, I won't stop. I know what these things can do in my life. I'm going to stay away from them. And I did for a long, long time. I didn't eat them and it helped. Peter says, abstain from sinful desires. Not that you don't ever feel a sinful desire. It says don't be ruled by them. Don't indulge them. Don't give them space in your mind and your heart. Stay away from them. They're designed to destroy you. You have to do battle against them. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans. In other words, put your life on display. Yes, We're called to display our lives right next to people who aren't yet part of God's family. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they persecute you, though they malign you, though they say all kinds of harsh, difficult, evil, rotten things about you, though you experience all of this stuff, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. One of the major failings, if you read through the Old Testament, one of the major failings that the Israelites encountered was that they did not put God on display in a good manner. And that was one of the regular complaints that the prophets, you read in Jeremiah and Isaiah and and, and, and all of the prophets one of their major complaints was that you have blasphemed God in front of the nations. You have made him out to be nothing in front of the nations that you were supposed to be putting him on display in front of, in a positive light, and bringing them in. Peter says, you gotta go through it. You have to Live such good lives no matter what, no matter what the situation is that you're putting God on display. We need, Peter says, to live for God. Now remember, we don't do this in order to be loved by God. I want to be very clear about this. We do not live this way in order to be loved by God. God loves us. God loves you. He loves me. I don't need to earn His favor. He loves me because of who he is, not because of who I am. He loves me because, and and has demonstrated it through what he's done, not because of what I've done. We, you guys, are loved no matter what. It's not God's love for us that is at stake here. It's our mission that's at stake. It's our mission that's at stake. So how do we make sure we're living our lives for God? One of the things is be, become, do. I talked about this. I'm not going to go in depth about it. I talked about it in depth in a series back in November. Uh, Again, you can go to our website. You can check that out there. It's actually called be, become, do. All right. You can check that out on on the website, but basically it's about being with Jesus to become like Jesus so that we can do the things that Jesus did and does, okay? It's the cycle that we get into where our discipleship to him is growing more and more and we're becoming more and more like him. That is vital. We need to do that, but there's another thing that we need to do as well. And This is what I wanna land on for this point this morning. In order to live for God, we have to entrust ourselves to God. In order to live for God, we have to entrust ourselves to God. My son, it became, uh, oh my goodness, it was probably fairly urgent to teach him how to ride a bicycle this, this summer. Uh, and not because he really wanted to he was happy with the things were the way things were he had training wheels on his bike I had he had had these on his bike for I don't know two or three years something like that and they weren't flimsy training wheels they were the some heavy duty ones but as I was going on a walk with him one day I noticed this boy is big he is solid and his training wheels are bending if they break, he's going to get hurt because he doesn't know how to ride his bicycle. So it became necessary for me just to, just in safety, just to teach my son how to ride his bike. At first, he wasn't all that keen about it. So I had to cast vision for him. I had to say, it's going to be great. You're going to be able to go much faster. You're going to be able to make sharper turns. You're going to be able to do all kinds of stuff that you can't do now without the training wheels. And he started to buy into it. and He's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. There were times he got discouraged and and he wanted to give up and I encouraged him and and all of that along the way. But none of it would have happened had he not entrusted himself to me and the process. In order to learn to do this, he had to entrust himself to me. Just like my son had to entrust himself to me and the process I was taking him through, if we are going to learn to live for God, We must entrust ourselves to him and the process he's taking us through. We have to do that. We don't get to say, I've got this figured out on my own, but I'm still living for you. It doesn't work. We're gonna continue to experience the same failures and sufferings and everything until we're ready to learn that lesson that we have to entrust ourselves to him. What does it look like I love this from the Psalms. Psalm 25, verses one and two. This is King David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. What does that mean? It means I'm giving you every single part of me. All right, it's poetry, it's language that, that he's using. He's saying, I'm giving you all of me. There's not one part of me being left out. Verse two, oh my God, in you I Trust. What does it mean to trust? It means there's no Plan B. There's no other option. It's all this, or nothing. In you, oh my God, I I, I trust. And then he goes on. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult or triumph over me. David says here, God, you're all I've got. It's you and you alone. There's nothing else. I have no other options. I have no plan B. Not because I couldn't, but because I choose not to. I have nothing else to fall back on but on you. You're it. I sink or swim because of you, we begin to entrust ourselves to God by choosing God's ways over our own, over our own patterns and ways of thinking. We start choosing His way, maybe not perfectly maybe not getting it right all of the time, maybe still stumbling and falling and and having to get back up, but we keep getting back up and we keep uh, consciously choosing God's way over and over and over again. That's how we begin to live aligned with the gospel. We choose his way. We entrust ourselves to him. We live for God. Number two on your outline, to live aligned with the gospel means we live in love. We live in love. Love is also the test for how genuine our life is for God. I once had a friend, I use that term loosely, I had a friend who claimed to be my friend. We hung out occasionally, we went to movies a couple of times together I uh, went and ate meals a couple of times, you know all of that, and I thought we were we were building this good relationship, you know all of that. Come to find out later. he was talking about me behind my back. He wasn't loving he wasn't really my friend. First Peter chapter three verses eight and nine say this finally, all of you be like-minded. In other words, be of the same purpose. Be in unity together. He says, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. In other words, understand and be connected to one another. Feel what other each other feels. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. He goes on, love one another. Be compassionate and humble. In other words, put others' needs and interests above your own. So he says that, <clears throat> excuse me, within the community of believers. And then in verse nine, he turns to something else. He says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. This reminds me a little bit of kids out on the playground. I don't know if you remember any of this growing up. Uh, maybe you do. Uh, somebody says something really mean to you, and what's the response? I'm like rubber, you're like glue. Whatever you say to me bounces off me and sticks to you, right? And it just goes on back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until finally somebody gets punched in the face, right? (laughs) Do not, Peter says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. How many of you know can see all around us that this is the way our world works? It repays evil with evil. It repays insult with insult. It just ratchets it up even more and more. And Peter says, get out of that. Don't do it. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. What does this last part look like? What does it mean to live repaying evil with good while we're living for God? Peter uses uh, uh, a few examples, three examples. Well, really, it's four examples. I've put two of them together. I'm not going to read all of them, but I want to sum them up because they're examples directly from his culture and I want you to hear them. I want you to listen to them. Don't judge what Peter says about some of these things before we hear what he's talking about. Let them sink in. The first example he uses is living under government officials. We, all, we still do that, right? We've got government officials under or over us, excuse me. We've got other people saying what the laws are, right? In 1 Peter two thirteen through 17, Peter tells his readers, submit For the Lord's sake, we don't like that word submit, do we? Let's let's just be perfectly honest. We don't like the word submit. Why? Because it means that I don't get to make my own choices. It means that I don't get to rule what I think is best or what I think is necessary. It means that somebody else is calling the shots. And if I submit, then there's a chance I'm going to get run over. We don't like submission. But Peter says, submit for the Lord's sake to every human authority. What does every mean? It means all of them. It means all of them. It means the nice ones. It means the mean ones. Oh my goodness. It means the kind ones and the rude ones. It means, it means whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, you submit. No, listen, I am being dead serious. I am not endorsing a president right now. I am telling you, for the Lord's sake, we are called to submit to the ruling authorities. Why? Why? Because in doing so, we are putting him on display. We're putting God on display. We can honor a a person without agreeing with them. It is possible, despite what our culture tells us, we can do this. It is a choice. Submit for the Lord's sake to every human authority. This is so countercultural. This is part of our witness, though. Why? Because guess what? God is the one who ultimately has set up the authorities. And when we dishonor those authorities, when we don't submit to those authorities, guess what? We're not submitting to God. Now, we need to be careful here because there is a point at which we can call out and say, this is wrong. But we can do it in a way that is respectful and that demonstrates the goodness of God and that is not about rebellion. Okay? We can do that. So Peter tells his audience, submit, He's telling this to people who soon, like I, I told you last week, Nero had garden parties lit by, by human torches called Christians. This was who Peter was telling them to submit to. Submit for the Lord's sake, he says. All right, that's enough. I'm gonna, I could go on and on about that. The second example he, he uses is slaves and wives in the home. Now, this was one I want you guys to listen to before you, you make any judgments because Peter says some things that, that do not sit well here in our culture, let me tell you. Okay? And I am not suggesting that we need to, I am not at all endorsing, transplanting that first century culture into ours and saying, all right, here, at ladies, this is the way it needs to be. That's not what he's talking about. Listen to what he says here. In 1 Peter 2, 18 through 3, 6, he tells slaves and wives, by the way, wives in in a Roman home, they did not have many more privileges or rights than a slave did. These these two slaves and and wives in the home, they were pretty much on the same level, okay? And he says to both of, of these groups, to live in submission to the authorities over them. He says to slaves, obey your masters. He says to wives, submit to your husbands. Now listen, before you make any judgments, I am not calling wives to submit to husbands. All right, you are not subservient. I am not saying that at the moment, okay? I'm not saying that. Peter is not telling them to agree with or go along with all of the injustice that they are, in fact, encountering. He's telling them to combat it. You're thinking, what? What? How does submitting combat anything? No, you don't get it. He's saying combat it with love. You put God on display. When somebody rules something over you in a harsh way, you serve, you choose to serve in love. Now I'm gonna come back to this because I really don't think that what this means right now is that, that wives in the room need to just be quiet and listen and do everything that they're told to do. That's not what I think this says, okay? Have I made myself clear? Okay. Jesus, you guys, is the pattern for this. The one who came to reveal God did not overcome evil by by going into revolution and and fighting and and bickering or or any of that. He overcame evil with good. The very people he was calling out, the Pharisees, the the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders who would send him to the cross. Jesus was saying, you guys aren't getting it. You're not listening. You're far from God right now. You need to turn around. And what did he do when they sent him to the cross? He went. He went to the cross. He loved them. He loved us. Martin Luther King Jr. once said this, returning violence for violence multiplies violence adding deeper darkness to, an, to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. This is serious stuff. Overcome evil with good. P, uh, Paul says this in, in, in Romans. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The, uh, the third example that I want to point out is actually directed at husbands. And it's only one verse that, that Peter uses, but it is revolutionary. It is stark and it is startling. Because husbands who are used to being in control, husbands who are used to calling all of the shots. In the Roman household, the, 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 the father, the husband was called the pater familius, the, the, the father of the house. And as such, he was basically worshiped as a god. Come to me, my children. Serve me. Do as I bid. Wife, do as I bid. This was the world that, that, that these guys were in. And to this, Peter says, don't use your position for your benefit. Instead, lift your wives up as equals with you. That's what he said. That's what he said. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 10 to lead through service. That whoever wanted to be greatest had to become slave of all. This is revolutionary stuff. So bringing this all together, how do we live in love while following God in our society? First of all, we honor those in authority as placed there by God. We honor them. Second, we overcome evil with good by loving and blessing in the middle of whatever harshness we are encountering. We are stubborn in our love. This only comes from a heart change, you guys. We can't do this on our own, we can't manufacture this by ourselves. This has to be a work that God does in us so that we can live it out. And then we lead through service and elevating those around us. The only way we can live other in society is by living other, or excuse me, by living aligned with the gospel. By living in genuine love. While we live for God, trusting Him that He's ultimately going to iron everything out. What might happen? I want to have the band come on up. What might happen in South Hill, up. if we lived this way? What could happen in Pierce County, Washington if, if this is what we did? We lived other this way. What kind of impact? could we have in our world? Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have loved us beyond measure, that you have not loved us because of what we've done, but God, basically you've loved us in spite of what we've done, but rather you've loved us because of who you are. God, that we don't have to earn that. Thank you so much that you are that good, good Father. But God, I know in my life, I know oftentimes the mission is at stake because I don't always live other. I don't live out the love that you've given me. And so I ask for your forgiveness. God, we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the moments, for the, the times, for the situations where we have not lived other, where maybe we've maligned others because they've maligned us. God, we don't want to live that way. We want to live in line with who you are. We want to live in line with your gospel so that we can carry out what you have called us to carry out. So take us, take all of us this morning Make us that people. Now maybe you you're here, you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to be. I'm going to say a prayer, just make it your own. Jesus, I give you me. I entrust myself to you. I don't know what all that entails. I don't know what all that looks like. I don't even know how to do that completely, but I, I say it to you now, I'm yours take all of me and give me all of you. Make me part of your family. God, for anybody who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would fill them with your presence right now. That they would be solidified in their mind, in their hearts, that they are your child. Not because of what they've done, but because of who you are and how good you are. And for all of us, God, help us to live that out on a daily basis in Jesus' name. You guys, we are children. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God because of who he is. And nothing I've said this morning is, determines whether or not you are that child. You are that child if you are in Christ. But the, the mission is at stake. And I want to invite you, let's live this mission out. It's serious. But let's live it out by living other. Let's make ourselves available to God. Let's let's make Him the center of everything. If you need prayer, come this way. I'd love to pray with you. If you want to just connect, come this way. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to talk with you. All right? But go this week, knowing first of all that you are loved and chosen but also that God's got a place for you in his family and a work for you to do. And you can do that this week in your home, at your work, in your school, wherever you're at. Guys, God bless you. Thank you for coming. we will see you next week.